Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we reflected on the biggest draft bus in Golden State history. Bram, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It feels like it's been forever. I know it's only been like a week. You've become a regular on the podcast at this point because, A, I think you're a phenomenal guest. B, I just lost, like hearing the voice of a close friend. Um, I'm starting to go insane a little bit. How are you handling this quarantine? Well, you know I can associate with that. And the reason why it's felt like forever is because time is moving through quicksand right now, dude. Every single day feels like Groundhog Day. You know, it's it's like a, a Saturday that I have to work through seven days a week. So I don't know if the last time we spoke was like three hours ago or a couple of months. But, dude, it's good to hear you. I'll just say that. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, normally my days move pretty quickly, especially with this job and travel and all that. It's like I, I, I can't pack enough time into the day. And now it's like, how is it only 2 p.m.? It feels like it should be 8 p.m. Like, I've just been sitting here all day. I, I'm embarrassed <laughs> so, to admit this, and I'm sure this is not why you called me, but we literally, we had we had work done in our backyard. The reason I tell you that is I found myself literally watching grass grow today. I went outside and was like, oh, I wonder if our lawn's going, and I was out here for like seven minutes. So, yeah, it, entertainment is uh, is at a premium, let's say. Um, and just to kind of tell you where I'm at in quarantine, today I wrote – a 30-inch story, like an almost a thousand-word story on a guy on the Warriors gaming squad who has not actually <laughs> logged a minute for the gaming squad. Uh, he has yet to actually appear at a game. Uh, but you are like division like, basketball, so it's kind of interesting. And you're look, like a crack I have a great story and a really nice guy, and I think his story deserves to be heard, but. Normally, that is not something that I would be able to prioritize. Is my point. No, you don't go a thousand words on the gaming squad. What you sound like to me is like a crack fiend who cannot get his hands on crack. So he's just smoking anything he can possibly, you know, put into his pipe. There's no basketball necessarily to write about. You are a phenomenal writer. You need something. So you're just writing about whatever the hell is around you, man. Good I mean, for you. the worst PR people call me and pitch ideas. And, uh, <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm, my bar is pretty low. I'm like, hey. If if it's something that I can write tomorrow, then I'll write it because I have literally nothing else. So give it to me. One, one of my professional goals this week was to make an analogy between you and a crackhead. So I've gotten there, man. <laughs> Whatever happens from here, it's all. Uh, it's no, all I, I've always been wanting. To, I've always wanted to be compared to a crackhead. So I got you. No, uh, been, I appreciate you know, it. My my two, life goals. Two birds, apart. two birds, one stone, my friend. I'm here for you. Um. So part of. You know, our content search, it, it doesn't just stop with the uh, the written word. Uh, it, it continues and spills on to the, into the podcast format. And so we've had a, a fun time over the past few weeks exploring different conversational topics. You know, you and I had a really good conversation recently comparing uh, the 96 Bulls to the 2017 Warriors, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um and I figured since there's so much chatter and speculation about what the Warriors are going to do in this draft, it'd be a good time to step back and remind our listeners and readers that there was a time when the Warriors were infamous for botching the draft. And not just botching, you know, like a late first-round pick, botching, botching lottery picks uh, because they were in the lottery every single year. And, you know, that's kind of the reward for having a bad season is you get a high draft pick, but they would 
continuously and repeatedly not capitalize on it. And just looking at the list, you know, before we got on here. Connor, are you telling me this? I'm not sure there's a team in the NBA that has more legitimate bona fide busts than the Warriors. I grew up a Blazers fan, so I'm well acquainted on the art of the bust. You know, uh, we all know about Sam Bowie, LaRue Martin, uh, all of those guys. It is nothing compared. No, no, I don't want to hear anything from you, Blazer fan. I will tell you right now, just having to go through this is causing me remarkable PTSD. I mean, like having you describe, yeah, you know, they had all these buses, like having somebody come up and remind me about all the ugly girlfriends I had in my past. Like, I remember it, dude. I was there, and I'll tell you, as far as this topic is concerned, I am not sure if I'm more apprehensive, because right now, like, I don't even watch the news, Connor. You know, I've been trying to be optimistic everywhere, trying to keep positivity in my life. Going through the Warriors' past draft picks is the exact opposite of that. But I'm also excited because of where they are. And it's such a great illustration of Warrior fans aren't bandwagon fans. This, this nasty, stupid-ass misconception that's been floating around there since their first championship, going through these people, seeing who we rooted for and basically sold out Oracle for, I think will help uh, cement all of that. Yeah, definitely. And um, so basically what I did here is I have a top five list of the, the Warrior, my personal top five list of, of the Warriors' biggest busts. I had a feeling that we'd overlap, so we'll go through that. But before I do that, I have a list of five players that are the honorable mention of, yep. of Warriors' busts. So, and yep. when you hear these names, I think it's kind of impressive that these guys couldn't yep. even crack the top five. If, if um, I start to gonna, sob while you do this. And I want your overall takes um, when you hear these names. Immediately. Joe and Smith. again, if, if I start to cry, just, just fight right through it. Um, but okay, Joe Smith. Uh, Joe Smith, number, Donald Foyle, Billy Owens, Ike Diago, and Mike Dunleavy Jr. Okay. So let's take him from the top. Joe Smith, number one overall. I remember feeling so excited for him. And then ultimately he felt – like a power forward who could only shoot missed 13 footers. It just broke my heart. Who was number two? Adonis Foyle. Adonis Foyle, I called La Boca because every time he stepped on the floor, inexplicably, he would open his mouth. I felt like he must have had the driest tongue of all time. A good defensive presence, but I also remember we selected him over Tracy McGrady. And at the time, I desperately thought we needed like an athletic score, and we went with the safe pick from Colgate, and it didn't work out for us. Give me number three. Billy Owens? Yeah, so Billy O, I'm not going to talk poorly about. I have love in my heart for Billy Owens, and there's no real good reason for that love, but for whatever reason, I, I, I'm going to stand back from him. But your next two fired me up. Give me, give me four. Ike Diago. Uh, I was so excited for him out of, uh, out of Arizona State. I think he went, like, number nine when he came to us, and when he did, he was that dude – who everybody said, like, oh, the Warriors got so lucky. He's a back-of-the-basket scorer. He's definitely going to come through. He did not. He did nothing for us, Connor. And number five, I 100% remember, because I hated him for so He's long. He's now the assistant general manager. Oh, which kills me. Which kills me. I've been to practices, and I see him there, and he's lucky I don't just, like, sucker punch him for no reason. The, he, Mike Dunleavy had skill. He had poise, but he didn't have heart when he played for us. The, the thing that really remember that, that uh, sticks out for me about Mike Dunleavy's career is I remember him getting pissed off, catching a technical, 
ripping off his jersey and throwing him into the fans. And then the stands, because it was at home, gave him a standing ovation because it was the first time that he had shown any heart at all, at all. So wonderful. I, I actually went to the same high school as Mike Dunleavy Jr., <laughs> and he's significantly older than me. But you know how it is when someone is the star player at the high school you know you're going to attend. I was – I idolized him when I was a kid. I used to go to his games in high school – and I just thought he was a god. He was McDonald's All-American. He was the best player we'd had in the area in a very long time. And I really looked up to him. And I, it was really fun watching him win a national title at Duke and, and uh, watching him kind of blossom into the player he became, you know. And then to go number three to the Warriors was a really big deal. And so I followed his career after that, and I was just – I was like, what happened to this guy? Okay. He, he, he just – I, I, and, I, and honestly, I do think part of it is just the dysfunction of the Warriors. He actually ended up having some good years after he left the Warriors with the Pacers. You um, shut your face, Connor. I will not have you say this. I just, you just brought me through an emotional roller coaster where I was no longer going to be your friend, and then you acknowledge his pro career respect, and now I am like one of your close friends again, and now it seems like you're going to push me away again. Don't, we don't need to spend this time praising Mike So Bradley. just to put things in context for a second, he was the number three pick in 2002. In June or whenever the draft is, the Warriors will have a top five pick for the first time since 2002 when they took Mike uh, And if memory serves, I think that's Yao Ming. Make that decision. It was Yao Ming and Jason Williams were number one and number two. Two people, like they, the Warriors desperately needed a point guard and a center is what I remember. And then they ended up with Mike D. And they're like, well, no, Son of a coach, real solid, played with Coach K. And then he came in and was just heartless. And, Connor, I cannot wait to hear your top five before you give them to me, just because I'm looking at this Wikipedia page and these other people may not have made your honorable mentions. Do you mind if I throw out a couple of, uh, a couple of words into the, uh, into the mic here? For sure. So uh, people who uh, we, we may have forgotten and I think will not make your top five uh, – I'm going to go with Mikael Petrus, Air France. Number 11, he was you know, remarkably disappointing, and the thing that really stuck out to him was how confident he was and then how none of that confidence transferred itself onto the floor. Patrick O'Brien, number nine overall. Okay, I won't say that. Then next guy, Anthony Randolph. I had the biggest crush on him, Connor, you can possibly imagine. I thought he was going to be like the all-stars all-star, like all NBA. He didn't get more than 20 minutes a game under, uh, under Nelly, and I think he's still playing uh, out there somewhere. Epe Udo, Charles Jenkins, all of these names are unbelievable and are taking me back to a place I just don't want to be. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. But let's do it. Who are your top five? Yeah, so uh, number five is Russell Cross, who was the number six overall pick in 1983. Uh, just to kind of put this in context, when you're when you're evaluating a bust, it's important to look at who they missed out on, right, uh, in choosing that player. So they could have had Clyde Drexler, Dale Ellis, Derek Harper, or Manupol. Manupol ended up being a warrior down the line. But they could have Clyde Drexler or Dale Ellis. Uh, they took Russell Cross, who, <laughs> I mean, you remember him better than I do. He was a good player at Purdue, but didn't really well, do a lot in the NBA. 
Yeah, let's just go ahead and say I definitely do not remember Russell Cross, which only backs up why he was a terrible pick. Russell may be before my uh, my Warrior fandom, um, and I'm, I'm looking him up here. Purdue University, and as far as the people he got picked ahead of, I can see why he made your top five. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I will say that before I started covering this team and started looking at some of the draft busts a couple of years ago, I had no idea who he was. Just to put into context more about how epically horrible he was, you know, he honestly maybe should even be higher on this list. He was uh, – he only played one season in the NBA, averaged 3.7 points per game, only totaled 45 games in his NBA career ever <laughs> as the number six pick drafted ahead of Clyde Drexler. So you can't really have a worse career than that. No, I mean, factually accurate. Here, I will, I'll give you a ray of optimism. Had they worked out that pick, if they had, had taken Clyde Drexler way back in 83, then we would have been without Chris Mullen because they probably wouldn't have taken him a few years later. And he's one of my favorite players of all time. So, you know, the, I'll, I'll add some, we'll call that the, uh, the, the silver lining of that dark cloud. And it wasn't, it wasn't like he had any major transgression that got him out of the league so quickly. It was just he was that bad. He was just, he was just that yeah, he bad. Just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just so bad. Like, kind of like uh, Anthony Bennett, you know, the number one pick a few years ago, 2013, by the Cavs. Well, like, yeah, as if, soon as he got on the NBA court, everyone could see that he was had no future in the NBA at all. And it, and it if, wasn't like he was a bad guy necessarily. It was just like you literally can't play. So. If he's like Anthony Bennett, he also must have been strangely fat despite being a professional player, which always shocked me about A.B. There's been a lot of players like that, honestly. <laughs> um, the next one is a name you mentioned earlier, and he seems infamous uh, among Warriors fans because he's relatively recent. People remember him. Patrick O'Brien. <laughs> uh, Patrick O'Brien. And – uh, in case you forgot, Patrick O'Brien was the number nine pick in 2006. Uh, he was, I believe, a case of recency bias. He uh, was a lumbering stiff who played for Bradley when, Brad- when Bradley had that shocking run in the NCAA tournament and made the Sweet 16, and he had a couple decent games. Uh, so he went from being not even on NBA teams' radars to suddenly being a lottery pick. And, of course, the, the Warriors, being dumb at that time, decided to use the number nine pick on him. Uh, to put it in context, they could have had Paul Millsap, Kyle Lowry, J.J. Redick, or Rajon Rondo. Uh, these, all of these names hurt my heart. A few things about P.O.B. One, I hated the nickname P.O.B. Two, he had a just unnecessarily long face, which I always thought was strange. And finally, three, he always struck me as the quintessential guy who must have been super tall early in his life, and then coaches forced him to play hoop. Because he never seemed like he enjoyed his time playing basketball at any point he was out there. And we watched him not really care for the better part of a couple of years before he just disappeared. So, yeah, I, I remember P.O.B. unfortunately well. Yeah, uh, over his two-year career with the Warriors, he never averaged more than 1.9 points per game in a season um, and never played more than 24 games in a season. Um, and that that was definitely the knock I've heard just through the trade fire about him is that his lack of effort was borderline historic. Like, he just <laughs> literally did not care. Um, he would not only not walk up the, 
court. He would, he would like trudge up the court. He would like barely move his feet. It was, uh, it was impressive. Hey, well, I mean, it was not impressive. It was the exact opposite of impressive. It was as depressing as anything could be. Impressively bad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll catch you the off. next there you one is, is a name that I know you guys are all familiar with just because he is epically bustworthy is uh, Todd Fuller. Um, Kobe Bryant. Pick, the number 11 pick in 1996. Now, keep in mind, 1996 is considered one of the greatest drafts in NBA history. Um, And he is, if you look at that draft, he is one of the only players in the top half of the first round who didn't have a great career. Um, And I mean like all-star worthy career. That's how loaded that draft was. So the, the Warriors could have had Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, Jermaine O'Neal, Tasia Stoyakovich says they had the man, the myth, legend, Todd Fuller out of NC State, another lumbering stiff uh, who was waved and out of the league by age 27. Todd Fuller was the reverse Patrick O'Brien. So Todd Fuller, I bet you really, really wanted to play basketball super early. And unlike Patrick O'Brien, where coaches saw him and were like, please play, and they just forced him to, I think Todd Fuller came in, and they're like, oh, you'll probably be good. And the coaches realized, no, you're terrible. Like, we should probably, you should probably play some other sport. I remember him coming in and trying super hard, and despite his effort, just being awful. It was the kind of thing of like, well, maybe I should be in the NBA. If this guy got drafted at 11, I should have put my career on a different path. Fun fact about Todd Fuller. Um, <laughs> fun fact about Todd Fuller. He uh, – he was he went to Charlotte Christian School, uh, which is also the alma mater of one Steph Curry. Uh, I have been to Charlotte Christian with Steph before, and walking down the hallway, there was a picture hanging up of Todd Fuller. Like he's still, he's obviously not the pride of Charlotte Christian the way Steph Curry is, but you know they were repping Todd Fuller, and uh, they just reminded me that. The, the same school that produced one of the big bu- biggest busts in Warriors history is also the same school that produced probably its greatest player. We Steph. had Steph's high school coach on the podcast way the hell back in the day, and we asked him what was it like to coach him. And what I remember him saying is, well, we never coached anybody like that before and since. And when he said it, I had knowledge that Fuller had gone there. And it's no secret that Fuller isn't in the same category as Steph Curry. But for the coach to basically just not even mention the previous NBA guy before kind of says everything you need to know. I feel like the Warriors should have called him and uh, and found out what, what coach uh, had to say. <laughs> um, so, so next on our list, and I might be mispronouncing this because this is a bit before my time, uh, C- Cyril Baptiste? <laughs> is, that, is that right? I mean, wh- whose time is this? What year is he? Uh, he was 1971. Mike, okay, yeah. time as well. Then, yes, thank you for asking me how I pronounce it. I mean, what do you think you're talking to here, man? Like, I, I, I mean, I, I you're, you're, you're 70, you. right? You just had your big Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I feel like I'd have to be like 85 to be able to give you uh, big stats on Mr. Baptiste. But, you know, so I, I don't have a lot of takes immediately on him. And I'm a little bit upset that some of these other guys didn't make it. See, like, I, I feel like uh, – 
Well, uh, I mean, Anthony Randolph could have made it before this guy. Info about this guy, you <laughs> since you don't know about him, you'll understand why he made it. He was the number three pick in 1971. Um, he the Warriors could have had a, a slew of of, 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 that actually wasn't a great draft, but they could have had much better players than than Cyril Baptiste, who <laughs> uh, literally never played a game for the Warriors because okay. he had you a should have led with that fact. All right, problem. then it's a good pick. It's a good pick, yeah, and I feel bad for question you. That's, that's a in and out of rehab programs, and finally got uh, released two uh, years after he was drafted without playing a single nope. game. Now, that is impressive. The number three pick, he couldn't even play a game. So uh, you would think that we've exhausted the list of draft busts <laughs> that a single franchise can have because a lot of these guys we've already talked about were epic busts. I mean, <laughs> for someone to be the number three pick and not even play a game, you, it's hard to do worse than that. But, alas, someone did. And I think you guys all know who it is. Who is it, Bram? It's Chris Washburn, man. And I let the record reflect that as we started doing this uh, podcast, I had to turn to scotch. Like, I'm now drinking, man. Like, I, I thought this was going to be fun, and now I'm, I'm kind of depressed. Are you just depressed right now? Are you just, like, uh, sobbing into your drink right now? I might be, and I don't need your judgment. I mean, it is what it is. And, and I'll tell you – as far as Chris Washburn's concerned, and I know you have an unbelievable list of stats and the people that take them before, and I'm, and I'm anxious to hear it. But in anticipation of this, I mean, I, I did a little bit of research as I, as I tried to do. And the thing that pisses me most about, or pisses me off most about Chris Washburn is not his drug habit or not the fact that he didn't play more than like 70 games or where the Warriors got him. It's that if he had panned out even halfway, he would have joined Run TMC. You know, and there's there's this sexiness to run TMC that we've all talked about and enjoyed, but the practical reality on them is they never got out of the second round. Well, you know what they needed, Connor? They needed an athletic center. And if Washburn had just been a fraction of who he was supposed to be, then we might have had a modern-day real-deal championship shot and as early as, like, 1990, maybe 89. And we got, you know, we got robbed of that, which just sucks, man. So what I'm learning from this list is that those front offices for the Warriors apparently did not do their homework very well <laughs> into who these guys were as people um, because the book on Washburn is that he had epic red flags all over the place before he entered the draft. He, he ran like a deer. He had all the physical tools. But if you talk to anyone close to him, you, know, you knew he was incredibly troubled and had been enabled his entire life. Uh, he was addicted to drugs and food. You remember, he was a big boy. Um, <laughs> he failed three drug tests in three years, went through 14 rounds of rehab, uh, played only 43 games for the Warriors, 29 for the Hawks, and then was out of the league by the age of 23. Uh, so he was the number three pick in 1986. The Warriors could have had Del Curry, which, hey, in retrospect, that'd be a cool story, right? They could have had Del Curry, Dennis Rodman, Chuck Percy person or Mark Price who had a very good career as one of the best shooters in NBA history. Sure. And, and a former warrior. Yeah, Mark, Mark Price ultimately became a warrior later in life uh, at, at well past his all-star status. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said only reinforces how amazing it is, Connor, where we are now. 
You know, I mean, who the hell would have seen this this dynasty rising out of the ashes? You know, it's like finding like a, a diamond in an ashtray that this happens. Um, and and going back through these people just you know just highlights that. Yeah, and I do think it's it's worth revisiting this this list from time to time, whenever, especially in a season like like this one where everyone's frustrated and down in the dumps about how rough it was. It can always be worse. You can be drafting the Chris Washburns every year. And look, I know, I know people, some people have been critical of how Bob Myers has done in the draft the past few years, but you have to understand where he's been drafting. They haven't had a pick better than number 28 since 2012. And if you look at historically the draft 28 and later, it is very hard to find value. Um, the Draymond Greens of the world are not very common. Um, that you're much more likely to get a Jacob Evans type than a, than a Draymond Green type at that point in the draft. And so I'm personally excited to see how Bob handles drafting this early in the draft for the first time in his front office career. Um, mm-hmm. He did draft number seven overall in 2012, right after he became the GM. Took Harrison Barnes. Which, HB, sure. Which, honestly, not a bad pick at seven. Um I mean, probably could have done better, but, you know, they, they ended up later taking Festus Azealia at 30, which I think at 30 is good value. Had a couple good yeah. years. Uh, wasn't Andre Drummond in that draft, too? I think they, they – I don't remember if Drummond went right after at eight or or he went right before, but I remember that was the guy I went out of that draft. I'll, yeah, I'll and then obviously they took Draymond 30, in, in the mid-30s, I believe 35th. Yeah, there you uh, go. And, and what you were underlining is people who are taking shots at Bob Myers now – it, it, it's like complaining about a free Porsche because you don't like the color. It's the height of entitlement. You know what I mean? Like, I understand he, did, he hasn't hit every single one of these, these picks out of the park, but he's hit enough of them out of the park. He's done enough of what's been given to him that, I, you know, he, he deserves nothing but trust. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, this is going to be a really interesting draft because, as, as we've talked about, there's just so much uncertainty at the top. Um, no, there's no Zion in this draft. There's no Tim Duncan. Um, if the Warriors do get the number one pick, I still believe they're going to take Anthony Edwards, but he's not a surefire thing the way a lot of number one picks are. And then it, you know, they're much more likely to, to get the number five pick than the number one. They have a 14% chance of getting the number one pick and an almost 50% chance of getting the number five pick. So if they get the number five pick, it's really anyone's guess that they're going to take. Uh, I, I think it, it could be Tyrese Halliburton. Isaac Okoro, uh, Denny out of Israel. Um, yeah. Those are the names I'm hearing. But, uh, you know, it, I do feel confident that they're not going to take a Todd Fuller type or a Curtis Washburn type because, here's, you know, it's all about the leadership at the, end of the, at the end of the day. Here's the cherry on top of this podcast, and, and this is the uh, the perfect backdrop for it. In the past, we had a series of GMs, a series of leadership positions filled by people you couldn't trust. So going into a draft like this, you'd be terrified because you knew more than anything they would make the wrong call. What we have now is the exact opposite comment. So do I know who I think they should be targeting at five? No. And there's so many different permutations to this draft order that I don't feel like anybody really knows for sure who the most talented person coming out of it. But what I can say is, I trust this front office to make the right call. And there's no more important thing you can say, and it's not always been true for this franchise. So 
it's fun to be able to say it. For sure. Um, Bram, thank you so much for joining me as always. Uh, I really, I really appreciate it. We, we gotta, we gotta set up one of those walks soon, man. I need to get out of the house. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been getting a little bit of cabin fever. Uh, I can't wait. And let's continue to have podcasts about really depressing topics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely rack my brain and, and maybe we can do an in-depth piece on the 2000, 2001 Warriors next time. Perfect. I'll be here. Good stuff, Connor. I appreciate it. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. It was great to hear his historical knowledge on the Warriors franchise. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 